This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we're so happy to bring in at this time the Wexinator, good friend of ours, a good friend of the show. That would be Jim Wexel from Steel City Insider and Wex. There is a couple of confounding things that just, I don't know, I, I, I have no explanation for. One is the inside linebackers as a group, they've got no forced fumbles. They got no interceptions. They got no fumble recoveries. And the other fact is that Deontay Johnson, even with 82 receptions, I believe it's like an NFL record, he's got zero TD catches. Either one of those things, it just it blows my mind. And you're expecting me to figure this out? <laughs> well, you know, I was hoping you could bring in a little bit of, you know, balanced brains to something that's just absolutely kind of got me all bamboozled. Yeah, well, you know, let's see. You know, Kenny Pickett doesn't throw a real good deep ball. Okay. Uh, you don't, do you agree? Or do you just not want to beat? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just sitting here going, well, I haven't really seen a whole lot of it because of the fact that they haven't gone deep ball a whole lot. I think he's capable of throwing a good ball. Not, not the greatest. No. Yeah. I was surprised in the, uh, and, and I didn't follow his career at Pitt that closely, but, uh, at his pro day, he seemed to, um, but man, I was watching a practice the other day, just, and someone came walking over, Dale Lolly came walking over and said, Man, you know, we watched Ben for 18 years, and we took some things for granted, didn't we? <laughs> well, that's that's a truism when you got a Hall of Famer. That's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, and that might explain a lot of the lack of big play chunks that people are screaming about for the offensive coordinator. Or it could be the offensive coordinator. So, you know, I, I'm willing to allow that other people are right about this. I seem to be fighting it alone. I, I don't think he, I don't know that he's great. I don't know that he's bad. You know, bad play calling kind of jumps off the screen at me or the field. And I really have, except for those tight end screens to Zach Gentry, I, I haven't had too much of a problem with much. Um, so I, I can't explain Deontay Johnson uh, um, not, not having touchdown passes. Um and what was the other issue? Oh, the, it was the inside linebackers. Because here's here's the counterbalance. And, Max, you can chime in on this too, man. Um, the fact that you've got Roquan Smith, who is like – he's leading the NFL in what they call splash, splash plays, which are interceptions, fumbles, forced fumbles, sacks, tackles for loss, tackles for no gain, you know, f uh, third and fourth and one stops, things like that. You know, he like leads the league – and that sort of stuff. And you kind of look at our inside linebackers and they're going, well, they, they don't have any forced fumbles. They don't have any interceptions. They don't have any fumble recoveries. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it just seems kind of weird, you know, at this point in time of the season. Well, uh, I tell you, Roquan Smith, when he arrives, he, he brings a lot of force. <laughs> and uh, he really does. Yeah. And a l that has a lot to do with forced fumbles. I, I remember discussing this with somebody uh, a year or so ago, uh, saying that forced fumbles are just a lucky stat, you know, that, or, 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 or um, the team uh, was either forcing fumbles or wasn't, but it has to do with the velocity and intensity that they arrive most of the time. Yeah. 
And Roquan Smith really brings it. So that might explain the Steelers' inside linebackers. You know, Robert Spillane is now uh, – he has taken 100% of the snaps the last two games. Yeah. And 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 Miles Jack and Devin Bush, I don't know how healthy Miles Jack has been, but he's healthy enough to suit up and play. So those two seem to be the switching, uh, you know, rotating. And Mark Robinson has seven, seven reps, so they're looking for a little more disruption in there. They just don't bring it like – like they expected when they, you know, drafted Devin so high. Mm-hmm. And Roquan Smith, geez, oh, man. How do the Ravens pick him up in the middle of the year? I, I know it's going to cost them, and he's uh, out of contract. But, wow, wow, what a force he is. There's no doubt yeah. about it. No he, doubt. He's an outlier. He, he is he is really an outlier. I mean, and, and like you said, I mean, there, there couldn't have been a better, I think, free agency acquisition <laughs> – for a team, I mean, yeah, Christian McCaffrey out of San Francisco is one, but I mean, Roquan Smith. I mean, it was like, okay, what if you could pick a, a guy who embodies the Ravens, you know, on another team? I mean, yeah. bullseye. And so I know, he, I he, know. He, he brings it with Patrick Queen. Um, you know, Wex. I mean, it, it's. How do you feel about this second Ravens matchup versus the way you felt about the first Ravens matchup? Like, what do you feel more confident about this Steelers team? Have we revealed more about who they are versus the first of all the Ravens? I do feel better. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that they've changed enough to uh, stop what, what they couldn't stop the last time. But I do feel they're a little embarrassed. And um, they, they really showed that the next game. Who was Carolina? Those linebackers shot gaps, uh, T.J. Watt included, of first two plays were tackles for losses, kind of set the tone against Carolina run game. Um, and that's what they didn't do in that last series against the Ravens when they could have won the game. So there's embarrassment. There's also the Ravens. Do they need it? I mean, they clinched a playoff berth, and they've got a bunch of people injured. Uh, by a bunch of people, I mean Calais Campbell. Right. <laughs> and Marcus <laughs> Peters. He's a bunch you of know. people all by himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, of course, Lamar Jackson's still hurt. So, uh, you'll have to excuse me. i got a bad cold, and a cough is just – Okay. His coughing is, is waiting to erupt at any moment, so I'm a little – hesitant to get excited here but um (laughs) (laughs) so uh i'm i'm more confident and the steelers are playing better and i know it's at baltimore but it's just you know if calais campbell isn't playing you know that's a holiday you know one of the things that's interesting to me is it's going to be well during the day anyhow it's going to be in the 60s you know on sunday in baltimore um you know and even at night with the temperature dropping some uh, it's still going to be, I would think, it's going to be a pretty good night to, you know, get out there and kind of stretch your legs and have a go at it. 
I and I really I really like the Steelers in this rematch because again I keep coming back to the thing you know that we we started the show with if it wasn't for the fact that you had three red zone interceptions if it wasn't for the fact that you allowed the Ravens to run for over 200 yards when the Panthers had done that to Seattle the week before and the week after they rushed for 300 yards um, you know either fully they're they're fully capable. And I, I think you can do the same thing with these guys, especially with Lamar Jackson, uh, if he doesn't play and it doesn't appear that he's going to play. Um, I, I, to me, you know, it, it's about just don't give the ball away because you're only one blocked field goal away from winning that game. Right. And, um, you know, Tyler Huntley, people were telling me what a poor passer he was. And I was, just, I was a little skeptical last game. And then I watched him. Yeah, and so now, now I'm very confident that they can, man, uh, ap- apply more bodies at least to the run game. I, I know, I know you guys, you both, you guys made a lot of sense on why it was so difficult stopping the Ravens' run game when you knew it was going to happen. But still, uh, there was uh, the embarrassment factor, and plus, Cam Hayward is getting better and better each week of his life. It seems like it. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there that go, cough. Guys. You know it. Yeah. The cold jump. <clears throat> so I don't know where that came from. I tested twice. Nothing. So you know, there was a there was an outbreak of COVID in the media. Oh, was and, there? Uh, oh yeah. Oh. Much to the uh much to the players' delight this week. It was uh <laughs> or la- last uh, Sunday, Saturday. But uh, anyway, um yeah, I, I, I feel good about it. Uh but um I, I'm hoping nobody pays attention to what the Dolphins do during the day. Yeah, well, you know, Max, that's yeah. the thing you got to do as a, as a as a pro. That that stuff doesn't even figure in because you got to focus on what you got to do that night. Yeah, the game the game is a game. You know, I talked about this earlier. Wolf was saying, you know, the Warriors' mentality is you you got to go out there, you got to battle because it's the next opponent in front of you. You can't worry about situations or. What will happen? What won't happen? Control what you can control, and and what you can control is your effort and your ability to play in these games. And you you play for a lot more than just oh my gosh, I'm just playing for the playoffs, and if not, I I can't perform. It's no, we we, we have we we have something that we set out to do, and we're we're going to finish the job. I, I talked to Robert Spillane, and uh, I asked him if 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 he was going to uh, ignore the Dolphins game. And he looked at me like, uh, you know, like he was processing a play fake. Hmm. <laughs> you know, he, 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 he is like, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, if they win, you guys are out and you, you're, he goes, I, I didn't even know that. He didn't even know that. Yeah. So yeah, he's, you know, and you know, Robert Spillane, he's already, he started focusing on this game on Monday. Yeah. So he's probably looked those stats over uh, oh, himself. Yeah. No fumbles. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, think about this. And this is, to, again, you know, the block field goal, the interception there. Since 2008, the Steelers and Ravens have met 29 times. 23 games have been decided by one stupid score. And 17 of those games have been decided by three points or fewer. Man, it's just amazing to me how tight it is and how important each field goal, each extra point, every you know, every first down because of the, the, the gravity of what those plays represent in the final score. 
Right. And, and if the game doesn't mm-hmm. mean as much to the Ravens, you know, if, if they're in any kind of rest mode, you know, the Steelers, whether the Dolphins win or not, are not going to be in that mode. They're, they're rolling right now emotionally. And they're going to they're going to they're going to bring everything. And plus, they lost to the Ravens in an embarrassing way. I know it was a close game, but they were still embarrassed. Right. That they got the ball shoved right down their throat. Yep. So uh, I don't think uh, I think the Steelers have the emotional edge. And that's always key in a Ravens Steelers game. It absolutely. is Wax. And when you think about this. We're losing you, Max. Sorry, buddy. You there? We're losing you. Hello? I'm here, Wolf. Okay, we got you. All right, just making sure we got everybody. Max is enjoying the Atlantic too much. All right. Well, he's at least he's healthy. You got you got the sick guy (laughs) over on the clear line. So, Wolf, uh, you may have to carry the ball yourself. Uh, I don't. You're not getting much blocking at all. <laughs> well, hopefully we still got Max. Again, the, in dealing with this, part of it, and we talked about Roquan Smith and what he means to this team, but Patrick Queen is another high-level performer. And when you watch, as I was sitting there this morning, I was, I was, uh, you know, watching tape and and just watching these two, how dynamic they are, and how they just seemed they're symbiotic, man. I mean, it seems one guy makes a play, and another guy's right there to either assist or back up or something. Or they're arriving simultaneously at the point of attack to put the coup de gras or whatever is happening in the play. You know, I mean, I got a lot of respect for Roquan Smith, ain't no doubt about it. But Patrick Queen is in the same same. Uh, I hold him in the same esteem as Roquan Smith. Well, I tell you, I hold them in the same esteem. I hold anyone that uses the word symbiotic <laughs> in a radio show about football. <laughs> that's so. You know what? Uh, that's that, a that, result of buddy. Fine Syracuse education and double-digit concussions. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't know what. I don't know if you can spell it, but <laughs> no. man, that was uh, just that was wonderful, and uh, it is a symbiotic relationship. And uh, it's confounding that the Ravens, uh, who have symbiotically uh, uh, tried to replace Ray Lewis, seem to have done just that now. Well, and makes... yeah, yeah, no, that, that does make sense. I mean, you know, just as we've been trying to find that replacement for Ryan Shazier who came after the Larry Foots and the James Ferriers of this world. Um, you know, it, it's it's something about AFC North football. You've got to have that middle backer, and that middle backer has to be, you know, a guy who can create force and create that recognition, and we've, we're still looking for that guy. Um, what I was going to ask, Wex, uh, before I frazzed out um, – <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a new word. That's, I love it, Fraz. Yeah. I love it. He, those yeah. are the words you used to come up with, Wolf. I know. Max it. is the intellect to come up with symbiotic. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are switching roles this week on me. Exactly. It's confusing me. Yeah, role reversal. You know, we had to keep it fresh. We had to keep you on your toes, Wex. <laughs> oh, man. But... I was going to say also with these games being one score, um, you know, what has always been indicative of a Raven Steelers matchup is the first team that rushes, that gets to a hundred yards rushing usually wins this contest as well. Do you see that as being the same type of uh, type of 
tried and true uh, relationship between this and, and this rivalry? Man, I don't know how the Steelers are going to win that one. I, I was thinking that they would need to block a Justin Tucker kick. I don't know if they can outrush the Ravens, even even if they're on the winning side of this. Uh, if Calais Campbell's out, that'll help. Um, but but wow, uh, I I just I mean it seems like it seems like um, the Steelers are on the brink of breaking open a running game. Right. Just I mean Naj, Najee hasn't. He hasn't crossed 100 yet, has he? I don't know. think so, no. I don't know if his average has been over 4.0 a carry either. It's it, You would think with all the work he's getting, but yeah. So I, 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 I'm I not sure I agree with what you're saying, Max, because I, I think the Ravens could get 100 before the Steelers and still lose with that awful passing game of theirs. Yeah, that is not yeah. a good passing game. There's no way – you know, if without Lamar Jackson, these guys, I mean, think about it. Demarcus Robinson caught a TD pass last week against the Falcons. He's the first Ravens wide receiver to catch a dead gum TD pass since week three. I mean, you know, it's not like they're setting the, uh, you know, the league on fire with uh, their backup quarterback in there. As offensively speaking, it's a defense that has been winning games for them. And the Steelers have Minka, so Mark Andrews is less of an impactful offensive yes. player. Yes. There's no doubt about it. Matter of fact, I saw a stat the other day where his um with without Lamar, his stats have like halved. I mean, in over the last month. It just absolutely halved. He's you know, his yards per you know, reception and everything else have just completely gone down. But it's the running game that keeps these guys alive and their defense. But I, I think that the Steelers can um, do some things offensively. And the guy that I think they've got a key has got to be the George Pickens. And I think he's got to do more than the go routes, but certainly um, you've got to call some concepts that bring him into play on crossing routes, on in routes, things of that nature, if he's capable of reading the defenses that you have because they're, they're playing a lot more zone. Normally, you know, Wink Martindale was the, the, the defensive coordinator. He, he's blitzing like crazy and he's playing man coverage behind it. Well, now they're doing a lot more zone because of the fact you have those inside linebackers that are so very good underneath. And uh, I, I think you're going to have to create some matchups that are going to go your way, and Pickens has got to be one of the matchups. You know, Wolf, uh, I have to give you credit. Before the last game in your Steel City Insider uh, notes to me, you predicted that uh, Minka would help shut down Darren Waller. You predicted that uh, Cam Hayward would forklift the 320-pound guard in front of him and throw him back into the quarterback. You, you predicted Cam would have a big game against mm-hmm. that rookie, and he's been a good rookie this year. It's not like he struggled right. that that left uh, left guard for the Raiders. But um, when you when you do things like start the segment with uh, complaining about Deontay Johnson not having any TD <laughs> catches and end it with Pickens <laughs> saying Pickens is the key and he'll catch the touchdown. You know it's going to be Deontay Johnson scoring that touchdown at the end of the game. And that would be so, great. I would love it. <laughs> that's just the way Wolf's frazzed world works. <laughs> Welcome to yeah. my frazzed world. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I, I think I think that was a, a beautiful bow that you just ended it on, <laughs> Lex. Well, it's kind of uh, symbiotic. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it is. It, and hurts at the same time. Um, but, uh, 
<laughs> we do appreciate this Friday edition of you coming in. Jim Wexel, for Steel City Insider, author of all things book and Pittsburgh Steeler related as well. Um, <laughs> thank you. Have a happy Friday. We will see you. Uh, are you coming down to the ball yard? Are you coming down to Baltimore? Or are you staying in the confines I, of Pittsburgh? I'm not. I'm going to get well here yeah, for the new see. year. And then uh, uh, for, well. the, for the playoff, for the Cleveland game and then the playoff game, I should be healthy. There you go. Ooh, I like your optimism. Right. Yeah. There it is. You see how he snuck it in there? <laughs> he I did. Love it. <laughs> I'm love ready the for the optimism. It. Okay, for fellas, exactly. take care. Thank Thanks, you. Right, take care, Jim. Get well, uh, brother. All right, yep, definitely well wishes on a speedy recovery. All right, that was Jim Wexel. We're going to step aside here in the locker room and come back, continue with the uh, Steelers and Ratbirds coverage and preview here on SNR and ESPN Radio. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, it's definitely it's definitely a physical game uh, playing those guys. Because I even remember from being being like a kid watching the, uh, watching the games, uh, the Pittsburgh and uh, Raven, Ravens-Pittsburgh game. And, um, and seeing that, and I always knew it was a very physical game, and just being out there. I think it's just like any other game, but you definitely feel like it's some slugger knockers, like, you know, the guys want to run right at you, test your manhood in a sense. But, you know, I love that. I live for that. And you can tell that's uh, Roquan Smith talking about the Steelers-Ravens rivalry, which we know is so uh, so potent. The fact of the matter is, I mean, even Calais Campbell, who's a, a – a legendary kick blocker, as Mike Tomlin called him, but a guy who's been in the league for so long and was, you know, came here to the Ravens and he said, you know, uh, it's said that you aren't a Raven until you beat the Steelers. And, of course, the first time out, Calais uh, became a Raven as, as the Ravens got the win. But certainly, Max, you have participated in the two trains, one track. You can speak just as much as anybody to the level of malevolence at both clubs at one time or still – feel for each other yeah the animosity runs strong the tradition uh is, is steeped in physicality and bruising and battering one another <laughs> and it, it is it is alive and well wolf it is alive and well and like you said the the the, te the testament is the fact that you're not a raven until you beat the steelers um which means to say that it doesn't happen as often as they'd like, and that's a true testament to them. We are the goal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I think for the Steelers, we look at it as, as it's just a, a more physical matchup. And it's one that, you know, as we went through it, I mean, in my time in 2004, obviously it carries before that when they became a franchise back in, what, 98? Right. Um, or 99. Um, about same same yeah. thing <laughs> same thing same difference. 20th century yeah. it's all the same <laughs> there you go but um but to to really have been there during those formative years of this rivalry and understanding what it meant to play in this game and the fact you heard Roquan Smith saying he watched this game and this was a game that he you know he he looked forward to watching every year 
it was must see. It, it is. It still is must see TV. Hence why it got flexed to Sunday night primetime. Mm. Like, think about that, Wolf. I mean, this game used to be exclusively like an like an evening game right. more often than not, and it was because they wanted the rest of the league to see. Everybody around the league wanted to see this game because it is. And I will contend to say this: the closest game you get to being a college rivalry game. Mm-hmm. This is the closest one. Teams play each other distance-wise, not that far away from each other. And the pageantry from both fan bases, when you go to the stadium, you know whose stadium it is. One does not overtake the other for all intents and purposes. And when you come out of that game, you feel it. You feel it the next day because you know that you went and you did battle. Yeah. And I equate this to back at your day, the Cleveland Browns Pittsburgh Steelers rivalry, right? That because that's essentially what the heart of this team is is the is those old Browns teams. That's their DNA. <laughs> that that's yeah. the DNA. So yes, the location change and the title change, but the physicality and the deep rooted history did not. That carried along, and you feel that presence when you get ready for this game. Like, oh man. If any game I got to get ready for, it's this game right here. Yeah, and yeah. there and there's a and there there's a first act and a second act every season, and sometimes you get lucky, you get a third and final act, which <laughs> you know I'm happy to say that I am a proud recipient of a three and zero record against them in one calendar season. Um, wow, you know when we went for Super Bowl forty three, we beat them in the AFC Championship game. Right, right, but it, it's it is one that. I'll always look at fondly like it is it is a rivalry unlike any other in the NFL and one of the best ones in the league in my opinion absolutely and again I go back to the stat that I I, I threw at uh, Jim Wexel uh, you know since Harbaugh's first year these clubs have met 29 times and 23 games have been decided by one score with 17 of three points or fewer come on that's ridiculous that's absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous that you could have that many games be decided by that few points that many times over. I mean, you know, it, it boggles your mind. And even with the superstars of, of uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and, and uh, Lamar Jackson and so forth, the games were always tight. I mean, that's I don't know. It just, just makes me shake my head. And also appreciate the fact that this is a rivalry, one of the few, as you point out, rivalries that – that, that uh, have real meaning and a distinction to them in such a way that it makes you want to tune in and see it. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I think, see, and I think that's what NBC knows. NBC yeah. knows that that, that that this game is going to draw more eyeballs right. than, the, than, what was it, Rams-Chargers? or what, Yeah. Oh, I forgot what was it. I yeah. think it was Rams-Chargers. Yeah, so who wants to, who wants to watch two? Which team's home? Which one's away? Yep. Whatever. The pish posh. No, you want to see Raven Steelers. <laughs> this, this, this is. It. I want to see something physical. I want to see something that means that means something to both of these squads, and that regardless of whatever the playoff implications are, it doesn't matter because these teams just truly don't like each other, and they hate losing more than they enjoy winning. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that's that, a great that point. Is, that's a tried and true recipe right there and so i think it's it's the perfect occasion and as much as to my chagrin about timing and scheduling everything of mine 
I'm happy that this game gets flexed back into primetime because we got flexed out of primetime once. So they righted the ship and they brought us back into the place that we rightfully deserve. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing about it is, I, and, and I go back to what I, I hit Jim Wexel with at the start, the two inexplicable things. You know, the, the, the overwhelming statistical difference between the inside linebackers of the Ravens and the Steelers. And I look at Robert Splain, Devin Bush, and uh, uh, Miles Jack. They're fully capable of putting up numbers, too. And it's just one of those rare, really rare, weird things that uh, happen when you don't have any interceptions, you don't have any forced fumbles, you don't have any fumble recoveries. And you look at, you know, between uh, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, they got five interceptions alone. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty crazy when you think about that. And that's the difference-making aspect of having those type of linebackers in there. And is it, a, is it an indictment on our linebacking crew? No, I don't think so. No, I, I just think I think it's just I, just I think it's just unfortunate timing of this season because I think they have been in on plays that have they've helped other teammates get um, with deflections and tips and you know right. contorting the quarterback's throwing angle, but they just haven't been the recipients of that fortune. You know, the, I, I go back to they lead the league in interceptions. Uh, as a secondary, as a defensive unit, 17, 15 by the, the uh, back end, by the secondary alone. Um, and yet they have the like the fewest fumble recoveries. I think, uh, what, three? They've recovered three, yeah. you know, all season yeah. long. It's just one of those anomaly things where it's just kind of a weird sort of stat that comes along. I mean, the fact that, well, it's just like the, you know, after leading the league five years in a row, with sacks, they're down this year. The Ravens got 44 sacks, they're fifth in the league, and the Steelers are down at, what, 32 or something like that. Um, so, you know, it, to me it's a statistical anomaly and reversal of what normally occurs with them because the, the defensive unit is usually better at being able to strip the ball, get the ball, even though uh, Alex Highsmith leads it. I think he's got five forced fumbles, um, you know, but defensively speaking, they've only grabbed three of them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's been tough, but I think also <clears throat> that just goes to show you as well the T.J. Watt factor, right? T.J. Right? changes those dynamics a whole lot, and we lost him for half a season. So it's amazing, you know, when a guy is missed and, and what that does to your defense because he's an unequivocal leader on the defensive side of the ball, and I think – Alex had to grow. This team had to grow to figure out other creative ways of applying pressure. But at the same time, trying to figure out how to apply pressure, something else is going to fall by the wayside um, in that process. And so our run defense was a little bit leakier. And yeah. it's tough. It's tough to have those turnovers when they're not putting the ball in the air. Right. Oh, yes. You know? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. When they do put it in the air, we're one of the best, right? <laughs> but yeah. when it's on the ground, that was a tough thing that we had to kind of had to work through growing pains on. And so I think that is one. And then offensively, uh, not getting leads to where you force teams into more precarious situations. That also lends itself to not being able to create turnovers. If teams aren't having to press, you know, there's, there's, there's no risk. If, if, if they know that if I just keep a secure grasp on this football, we're going to win this game. And that was a confidence in the first half of the season. 
there's there's no there's no there's no stressing about it because look at that Cincinnati game week one right and think about just the amount of pressure that we were able to apply and the things that Cincinnati was forced into doing that we took advantage of mm-hmm. you know that that's one of those key moments so you know and then after that of course imagine had we been able to do that in the Patriots game the Jets game you know I always point to those two games because those are the two teams that are also in front of us with, with, when these playoff hopes um, but. If we imagine if we've been able to play from a lead and force them into a bad decision, maybe things could have been different and we wouldn't have been having this conversation, but it didn't. And so I think that's kind of where we're kind of following the, uh, behind in these in these stat categories because the games have always been tight. We're not putting up that as many points to really put teams in a, in a position where like, oh, my gosh, we got to pass this play. Oh, my gosh, we have to roll out here. And oh, my gosh, OK, the running back's trying to do something extra. And maybe he gets only one hand on the ball or he flares his arm out and now we can punch it out. Like they're running between the tackles with two hands, hand over the top and the bottom. And it's, le- it's less likely to, to to fumble in those situations versus them trying to really stress and trying to make a play happen. And then that's when that that's when the mistakes happen on the on the opposite side of the ball that we could take advantage of defensively. Well, you got to get them on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, defensively speaking, that's the bottom line. And. It's it's just funny just the way these things crop up. And, you know, before we go, it's the same thing I think about with um, Deontay. You know, even though Deontay is, you know, he's got the most receptions ever without a touchdown for a, a wide receiver, think about what he's done. He's only one of five NFL wide receivers to have at least 80 receptions in each of the last three seasons. That's that's a terrific, you know, resume of performance. Um, it's just crazy that the you know the touchdown catches have eluded him yeah no it's 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 been it's been unfortunate that he has not been able to get in the end zone and i thought he was going to get there in carolina i really did i really (laughs) thought he was going to get there it didn't happen but like you said maybe it does happen come new year's day maybe that's the new year's day gift and maybe that's what changes the fortunes right a new year's resolution that deontay johnson is going to score more touchdowns uh, in 2023 than he did in 2022. There you go. He could say, look back and go, I didn't score a touchdown for a whole year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But now I did, and it feels great to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, my oh, friend. Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll step aside one more time for the bell lap yes. in the show before we get ready uh, for this Raven-Steelers matchup come Sunday evening down in Baltimore. You are in the locker room with Wolf and Starks here on ESPN and SNR Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Back is Mitch with a shotgun snap. Throws it down the left sideline trying to get to it. And getting it is Deontay Johnson for the big gainer across midfield. Down to the 48-yard uh, line. Yin's chat is the Steelers' predictive and trivia game answer questions. Make picks and win prizes. Play on your own versus Steelers Nation in our new public group or create your very own private group to compete against family and friends. 
You can play Yin's Chat exclusively in the Steelers' official mobile app. All right, I got to ask you, Max. We got to do this. Chris Boswell, field goals made, over under two and a half. Which you take? Ooh. What? You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under because I think he's gonna kick two field goals. See, I'm gonna. I, go- think, I think. I think we're gonna put. I think we're going to score more touchdowns than, than field goals. Yes, yes. Okay, you're you're thinking the same as me, my friend. Because I'm going to yeah. I'm going under also because I think the Steelers are going to be able to score some touchdowns. I think finishing is going to be a big thing coming up. You know, the Steelers are they're about 17th in the NFL converting red zone drives at about just an, a, a smidge over 53 percent, but. Pickett has already had now two fourth-quarter comebacks, done a good job, and that last drive against Vegas, 10 plays, 76 yards. Max, here's what I love about it because there's a number of people that are like, well, he just checked it down. He didn't panic. He didn't force the ball down the field. On the biggest drive of the game, with everything emotionally that had gone into that game against the Vegas Raiders, with Franco and everything else, he didn't panic and just try to force that ball. He took what the defense was given, and it was smart. And then he drove the stake home in the heart of the the uh, Raiders when he drove that uh, that stocking stuffer lump of coal uh, that he dropped on him there from 14 yards out to George Pickens. Says to me, this young man is getting it. No, he's absolutely getting it, and I think – the team is also figuring out the rhythm for him. Um, it, it's it, it's one of those things where you sit there and you say, okay, how do you continually get him in? Because obviously we had a fever pitch moment and a low point for him in the Atlanta game, right. right? We could, you know, Cam Hayward has to come talk to him because he's trying to figure out where he fits in this offense. The offense is trying to figure out how to utilize him. It do, It didn't really quite connect all the way. And then you saw the Carolina game. Yep. Then you saw last week against the Raiders. And now I think it's now starting to come more cohesively for the offense and what George Pickens offers and brings to this offense. And they're figuring out ways of making sure that he's shine and he's a focal point, um, getting the target distribution more balanced with him involved in it. You know what's so funny? It's like, you know, you <sighs> – I, I look at this young man, I go, this, this guy This guy looks like he invented the back shoulder throw. You know, like he was the yeah. inventor of it. You know what I mean? He's shown us so many little variations where he calmly, coolly goes down the sidelines, and then whatever he dipsy-doodles with the, with the defensive guy trying to cover him, he just nonchalantly reaches up and snatches a back shoulder throw. Like, he, I don't know. I mean, it's just he owns it. Well, and it's like I said, well, he's so great with the late hands. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. What, there you and, go. And that's what, that's what confuses, confounds, and pisses off defensive backs, right? They want you to give them clues because they don't yes. want to turn around and look and try and ID the ball because they're going to lose the receiver in the process. So they're relying on the cues of the receiver to help them react and make a play. And George Pickens – does not give them that satisfaction. In fact, he's, he in fact he says, "Nope. Guess what? You either you're either going to let me catch this, or it's going to be a pi. That that's just <laughs> that's the only two options you have. There are no victories here. Um, and and he just makes it extremely tough on them with those back shoulder throws, especially. Now it makes it a little bit easier when you have crossing routes for the defensive backs to react, you know, and kind of do the that little slingshot move right where they pull right. the hip." 
yep. and, and force themselves in front of them because George Pickens has to turn and make himself available while running laterally across the field. Yes. But when it's vertical routes, uh-uh, no bueno, do not pass go, do not collect $200 in those situations. Uh, you can collect this fine or you can let me get the ball and make a play. <laughs> <laughs> no bueno, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too bad you missed Alvaro yesterday, man. I mean, you know. I know, I know. Uh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would have had some fun. All right, but, <laughs> but we're gonna wrap this up in a minute. But what 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 game you got tonight? Uh, I have the Orange Bowl uh, down in Miami. Okay, it's got Tennessee and Clemson. So it will be a sea of orange, regardless. Of what it is be a lot of orange in the Orange Bowl tonight. Um, you know, obviously this game is coming down and. And you have both quarterbacks for both teams. One's transferring and DJ Uwe Youngle for Clemson. And then also Hendon Hooker um, is still battling injury and is going to go into the draft. So you're going to see two two backup uh, quarterbacks for two teams that uh, were red hot at points this season, had a chance to be in the college football playoff, fell a little bit outside the bubble. And that's why I'm glad we'll have a 12-team playoff uh, come soon here. But they're in the New Year's, New Year's Six Bowl, New Year's Day Six Bowl, that happens to be played on December 30th. So that's what I have tonight. And I got the Fiesta Bowl tomorrow out in Glendale, TCU, Michigan, uh, a number two, number three matchup. So it's going to be busy before I get to Steelers Ravens on Sunday, Wolf. Unbelievable. But I will see you in Baltimore. Have a great call. I know you're going to get the job done, my friend. You're just too good. That's all. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it, bud. And I will continue to carry the mantle. And with that, that has been a show. You have been in the locker room. Wolf and Starks here. Remember, if you miss any of our show, you can feel free to download any and all of our shows by going to the Steelers mobile app, going to the iHeartRadio app, or wherever else you get podcasts. We are there alive and well. You can hear all of the jokes, the banter, and, of course, all of the expert commentary with journalistic integrity laced around it. You have been uh, wonderful this week. Uh, it's been a heavy week. But hopefully we were able to provide some levity in the midst of this moment as we continue to mourn uh, the loss of a legend um, in Franco Harris. So we thank you guys for listening. We love you all. Have a great Friday and a great weekend. We'll be back here on Monday. Take care.